0: it is never too late, and it is never enough. Jewish History Soundbites, bringing alive the world of our glorious past. Here is our host, live from Jerusalem, Jewish historian and tour guide, Yehuda Geber. Yehuda Geber with Jewish History Soundbites, and uh, this episode, which is going to examine the relationship of the railroad, the railroad development, and the Jews, has been sponsored by the Jerusalem Light Rail Development Corporation with the fervent wish that residents of Jerusalem utilize the city light rail to ease up the traffic on the city streets, which will enable out-of-towners such as Beit Shemesh residents to move more freely in their cars when visiting the city. So before we get to railroads and, um, and the Jews, just some current events. Today is, of course, uh, December 7th. 2021, so it's the 80th anniversary of the day that we'll live in infamy of Pearl Harbor. Um, and this is just some World War II-related uh, 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 news items on this uh, commemorative day. First of all, just reading up on Pearl Harbor, just notice the, uh, I don't know if anyone else noticed, the funny names of, of U.S. Navy admirals, uh, it's the one who is in charge of Pearl Harbor on the day of, of uh, on December 7, forty one, was was Admiral Husband Kimmel. Always wondered, like what his wife his wife would call him, husband or there's my husband, husband. It just you know it was kind of funny. Uh, uh, Raymond Spruance, Admiral, one of the most famous admirals in U.S. naval history. These uh, interesting names, and not that the non-navy names was much better. The White House press secretary who announced the attack to the American people. Um, not that much later uh, than after the attack happened, his ironically his name was Stephen Early, so he wasn't late for the announcement. Um, but but the in the news you had uh, first of all the, the death of Bob Dole, who was a, a World War Two hero in in Italy, he got injured and everything. So he was a World War Two hero, but later famous as a Republican presidential candidate. And what I found fascinating was that when I was a little kid growing up, he was considered the oldest presidential candidate at the time, and that was like 25 years ago. So, uh, so that's, that's uh, one historical note. Another one is the death of Edward Shames, the last member of the Band of Brothers of Easy Company, 506th Regiment of the 101st Airborne Division, who was an officer in the in the air in the 101st Airborne by battlefield commission, he didn't go to uh, uh, you know didn't go to didn't go to school to become an officer. Battlefield commission after D Day, and most importantly, he was a Jew. His parents were immigrants from Russia. He grew up in Virginia, and of course, um, the Band of Brothers was immortalized first by Stephen Ambrose in his book, and then by Steven Spielberg in the Band of Brothers TV series. The parachute drop on D-Day until after till the end of the war, through the Market Garden and, and Bastogne and uh, the, the Battle of the Bulge. Uh, so Edward Shames participated in the liberation of the Kaufering subcamp of Dachau. And then when Easy Company went into Hitler's headquarters at the Eagle's Nest at the end of the war, so this officer, Jewish officer, Edward Shames, he took a few bottles of cognac which were marked for the Fuhrer's use only. And he brings it back to the United States, and he went on to serve it as a l'chaim by his son's bar mitzvah years later, which is, I don't know, I found to be the most incredible story ever. So moving back to the railroads. Uh, the railroads come to Eastern Europe in the 1800s. There's very famous a, a um, poem or, or something of the sort in Yiddish authored by Erbistrol Salanter, the founder of the Musser movement derban the train and discussing the the Musser ideas that can be gleaned from the train and purchase of train tickets and the destination of the train and a version of herbistrol of Salanter's song song a poem brought into English was was uh, my was made by uh, a B Rottenberg on Journeys coming and ride the train which expresses all the Mussar uh, uh, ideals that Rabbi Yisrael Salanter, with his greatness, was able to see in the coming of the train and its appearance on the Eastern European scene during Rabbi Yisrael Salanter's day. So that that is a, a prominent uh, historical story of the Jewish life in the 19th century and who took someone like Rabbi Yisrael Salanter to be able to get a Mussar idea out of it, but it's in its broader historical consequences uh, there's really much to say about how it had an impact on Jewish life. And uh, the, in general, the technological advances uh, and their impact on society, and especially on a conservative traditional society, such as Jewish society was in Eastern Europe, in the Russian Empire uh, of the 19th century. And these technological advances together with the political changes, have much more of an impact on Jews in the modern era than any other. So external changes or advancements have a greater transformative influence than internal changes, which are generally a byproduct of modernity rather than its cause. And I know this is a point that I've emphasized in the past, but I'm not going to stop emphasizing it because I feel that it's an important point that these external changes have much more of an impact on Jewish uh, society than the internal ones. So the railroad was, was the internet of its day. It was a huge technological advancement, which was unavoidable and a harbinger of modernity, and caused far-reaching social qu- consequences on society at large. So the the challenge that it, that it brought, and the opportunity and the challenge that it brought was very similar to many other uh, technological advances that have been seen throughout history. So this triangle of technological advancement, industrial revolution, and changing economic patterns, which was the, the rise of capitalism, this was the force which drove the rise of capitalism and was closely related to the political changes of the 19th century as well. And this triangle was encompassed in the story of the locomotive. And the development, what we're going to trace here, is the development of the railroad in the Russian Empire in the latter half of the 19th century, all the way up until World War I, um, and, uh, and how that impacted Jewish society. So following its defeat in the Crimean War, and then with the rise of Tsar Alexander II to power in mid-century. Both of them happened around at around the same time. So Russia recognized the need to engage in industrialization in order to catch up with the industrial capacity of France, Germany, and England. So what followed was uh, 60 years of rapid industrialization, modernization, especially in the areas of steel, coal, mining, rail lines, textiles, agricultural development, and uh, improvement and, and stuff like that. So in 1890, Russia still already th- in 1890 just 25 years later still lagged behind as only the fifth worldwide as far as total track laid. Over the next decade or so, the government invested. The Russian government invested three and a half billion rubles in railway lines. Including the most ambitious project of all, which wouldn't be finished until 1916, which was the Trans-Siberian Rail- Railway, which is still the longest railway in the entire world. They went from all over the Russian Empire. They went from 30,000 kilometer of track to 53,000 kilometer of track in just one decade. Which, you know, for the American listeners, you need to convert that to miles. Which I'm sure you could do. It's quite simple. Um, and the the Russia emerges at the turn of the century as the second in the entire world, only to the United States, which was the world leader in railroad mileage. Um, but if we go a, fir- a bit further back, the transformation is even more impressive. In 1866, there was only 5,000 km of rail lines in the entire Russia. By 1900, like I said, there was 53,000. That's a 10 times... Uh, amount, of uh, growth, uh, in just a span of 35 years, which is a formidable achievement, achievement. And much of these rail lines were in the western and southern parts of the empire, which was the areas which were densely populated by the Jews of the Pale of Settlement and even outside of the Pale. The Kiev-Odessa line, which was a very important railway line for Russian commerce, being that Odessa was its gateway to the south, So it was completed already in 1870. Now, the Kiev-Odessa area, that's, that's, you know, a very, very, uh, one of the most densely Jewishly populated areas in all of Russia. Uh, By the turn of the century, the southwestern areas of Russia, where the largest concentration of Jews were, was a crisscross of rail lines. In fact, by that time, from any sizable city in the Pale or Poland, one can easily reach anywhere in Russia and beyond Russian borders. It was not far, it was cheap, and it was efficient. That was the story of the railroad. This completely changed life in Russia. No longer was it going to be long journeys of a horse and buggy in treacherous weather conditions, unpredictable lengths of time, the roadside inns, the roadside taverns, the market days in the in the towns, the the the, the all that just slowly disappeared from the Russian landscape and from Jewish life and lore and nostalgia. No longer was one somewhat caught off, caught off from society, safely and sewn in their little Shtetl or their district. Now everything was close by, and that completely changed Jewish life. And I wanna uh, bring it out with a anecdote, which is always a more exciting way to to bring these points out. About the Trisker Rebbe and the Trisker Hasidic dynasties. The Trisk is a Hasidic dynasty that developed in the nineteenth century. It's a branch of Chernobyl, and the Ravrom Tversky of Trisk was the son, was one of the many sons of the Chernobyl Maggid or Battle of Chernobyl, and he establishes his court in Trisk in Volyn, in, in, part of, in that, that part of Russia. That, that was the easternmost court of the Chernobyl dynasty, and it was, of course, a regal one like most of the other ones. And he was in turn succeeded in Trisk uh, by his youngest son, Rabbi Yaakov Aryeh Tversky, when he passed away. Uh, when the eastbound tracks, railroad tracks, from Kiev to Poland were being laid in the la- latter decades of the 19th century, the rail line was supposed to go through Trisk, So the Triska Rebbe was concerned about this encroachment of modernity on this sleepy little shtetl and the ramifications that it would cause both to the court of Trisk and to traditional Jewish life. So the Triska Rebbe used his considerable clout to prevent the train station from being built in the town. Instead, it went nearby and passed through Koval, which is right nearby. It's a few minutes away. So it went through Koval instead of Trisk. Of course, the forces of modernity could not be stopped, nor we can argue or I can argue, uh, nor could it have been anticipated by the Rebbe or by anyone else for that matter. So it's hard to quantify what the impact of of, of the the railroad would have been at that time to see into the future about what the transformative impact it's going to have. So, you know, it could be argued that no one could really anticipate what was about to happen over the next decade, over the coming decades. So, oh, what happened over those coming decades was due to the train station and to its new position on the new lines of commerce because of the railroad, Koval develops into as a, communi- as a town, commerce, and the community grew and flourished. Trisk, on the other hand, lags behind and the grinding poverty became its lot so similar to so many other small shtetls of the Pale of Settlement around the turn of the century. Many in those little shtetls, including Trisk, migrated to larger towns and cities, seeking economic opportunity, while others emigrated entirely out of Russia, seeking their fortunes on the other side of the ocean. So the Jewish community of Trisk struggles, and its population shrinks. Until finally, in 1907, Rabbi Yaakov Leib Tversky, the Triska Rebbe, what does he do? He moves himself and his entire Hasidic court and transfers it to, drumroll please, to Kovel. In other words, he leaves Trisk and moves to Kavel, the place where the train station was. So the reality of what the railroad did and what it brought and what it caused becomes apparent with this quaint little narrative. Uh, This story is important for two reasons. Number one, it's a microcosm of much of the influence of the railroad on Jewish life. Uh, And also, it's because it's so similar to many of the technological advancements and their inevitable impact on traditional life both throughout history, as well in contempt, as well as in contemporary Jewish society and general society, this impacts the societal impact and especially Jewish societal impact in the in many different ways. Both, first of all, economic changes. It's probably the most uh, visible impact about how. The uh, feudal structure of, of, of agricultural structure and Jews being as agents and tavern owners and roadside inn owners and agents of, of, of the aristocracy. In other words, since what they had been since medieval times, um, that that entire economy pretty much disappears with the Industrial Revolution and the advent of the railroad and the changing modes of commerce and the rise of capitalism and factories and, and stuff like that. So the railroad is just one piece of that puzzle, but it plays it plays a role. Um, so the economic changes are the most. Many Jews utilize the opportunity that the railroad, brings. in fact... Because the railroad was a new industry, it, uh, many Jews availed themselves of the opportunity to engage the industry because there was no guilds. There was nothing barring Jews from entry, unlike so many other, other areas of the economy. And many uh, many Jews made lots of money uh, being uh, investing in railroads and initiating railroad projects and becoming uh, tycoons because of uh, becoming the, I guess we call them the Vanderbilts of, of Russia. Uh, by the way, Jews were involved in, in developing um, um, the railroads all over Europe. It was the Rothschilds and and the F- Führers, I believe, in, in France, and in and Russia was the Polyakovs and, and a bunch of other prominent families who were the railroad magnates uh, who developed uh, Russian railroads, unless when it was the government itself who got directly involved. But still, many times it would be Jewish uh, bankers who would finance the projects. But that's on the economic side of things. The next point is the religious uh, changes, the modernization, uh, and the cultural changes that take place because of the advent of the railroad and what it brings to society and how it connects everyone. uh, Is weakens weakens religious life. The kehila structure completely implodes because the kehila structure was not able to sustain itself with this with these changes because they were no longer an isolated. Kehillah. Everyone was connected, everyone can go anywhere where they want, they can move and change, and the uh, railroad enabled that. And this is closely related to the next point, which is urbanization. Um, Once once the railroad uh, allows for urbanization and and encourages it, because the cities and towns on the railroad line are developing and people are leaving the smaller shtetls, which are outside of the rail lines, and moving to the larger towns and larger cities, where there's more economic opportunity, where the new factories are. They can also get there easier because of the railroads. So urbanization and the implosion of the kila structure are closely related to railroad development. Uh, and, and and then, of course, like the, the example of Trisk and Kowal, the towns which were sleepy little shtetls and but then, all of a sudden, got a railway station because they happened to be on the main line between Lvov and Kiev, or Kiev and Odessa, or Minsk and uh, and Grudna, or or Minsk and Vilna, wherever they were. And there was always hundreds of shtetls on these lines. These towns that just happened to get a train station, they all of a sudden develop and they change from being a you know a you know a forgotten shtetl and they become all of a sudden transformed, not all of a sudden, gradually transformed into, uh, and that and that changes the structure of both the Kehillah and of religious life. Uh, more importantly, information starts to travel. Newspapers travel. Books begin to travel. And we'll take newspapers as, as an example of that, because the spread of newspapers and news, which was one of the biggest distinctive features of modernity and how that impacted Jewish life, Haskalah ideas, nationalism, all the other isms, political organization, all these things that had such a decisive impact and eventually towards the, the, uh, the secularization also of traditional Jewish life in Russia was, was, can be attributed to the spread of information May, many times through newspapers. Now, How did that information get everywhere? It was because of railroads. Even if we assume that the newspapers themselves, such as Hamelitz, had an outsized influence on the direction taken by Russian Jewry at this time. But how did Hamelitz get to everyone? If you subscribe to Hamelitz how did you get to read it? How did everyone in your little shtetl get it? And, be, and, and the answer is because of the railroads. Its influence, the influence of Hamelitz would have been impossible without the railroad um, transporting it and getting it there. Uh, they couldn't, uh, they didn't, do, they weren't able to do it by the technology that we have today of electronically uh, sending it to printing presses across Russia, obviously. So it had to be physically printed in one place, first in Odessa and later in St. Petersburg. But I mean, it's just an example. There are many other newspapers as well. And then it, it was physically brought by rail to, to every little place across Russia, usually that same day. Or the next day, so you got it. The news wasn't that old, unless you were really in a, you know, in a godforsaken area. But um, but uh, so to speak, but but the, the but for the most part, information was able to travel. This connection, which used to be limited to the kahila of the shtetl, uh, enabled the rise of Jewish nationalism because now the Jewish people are connected. Now they can see themselves as part of a one unit. And, and these type of ideas, such as nationalism, these type of political ideas of joining in political parties, of, of, of sharing socialist ideas, of, 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 of Jews as a nation across Russia, across the pale, where a Jew in Odessa could feel very connected to a Jew in Minsk, which even though it's on the other side of the world, or even in a Jew in a small shtetl could feel connected to the Jew in the big city, is because of the railroad. Um, so the possibility of Jewish identity changing and in not being tradition-based was now possible because of the railroad. Incredibly enough, people were able to travel, people were able to explore, people who are distant can be connected. Um, these are all, these are all uh, changes that happen because of the transportation became so much easier. Uh, I mentioned one effect that had on the Hasidic movement with the example from Trisk, but uh, beyond that, um, it, it, it just to, to, again, to see, see the Hasidic movement as a whole, uh, the, both the detrimental effects of modernity um, that it has, but also how it changes the patterns of pilgrimage to the Tzaddik. It's not uh, taking off a month of work and then going in the mud and the snow and going at the Bala and stopping along the way at the inn and having a l'chaim with a bunch of other Hasidim and it's like a whole messiah of going to the Rebbe. Now it's simply a train ride away. It becomes much more effective. becomes much easier, but it also changes the experience. Even more than that, we can I heard this. I once heard this directly from Professor Martin Wojcinski, how he showed how uh, by analyzing a collection of kvitlach, uh, which uh, had included in it uh, the address, the the town of origin of the one who submitted the kvittel, and he took all that information and Basically, electronically threw it onto a map of uh, of Eastern Europe, and what he was able to show was that the influence of a tzaddik was based on railroad lines. In other words, towns that were not that were close by to the residence, the city of residence of where this particular tzaddik uh, lived, um, had very negligible uh, amounts of kvitlach submitted to the rebbe. While many distant towns um, from this tzaddik had submitted kvitlach to this rebbe, and the reason was because they were on the rail line. Those towns were on the rail line, so the influence of a particular rebbe or tzaddik or dynasty can also be traced along railroad lines, which is incredible. Um, so the that that also is 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 related to the spread of chassidus in the later part of the nineteenth century when it was still. Significantly spreading across Galicia and across other parts of Eastern Europe. Another interesting side effect of the railroad was the spread of anti-Semitism, also a result of the railroad. Both in a technical sense, it was easier to spread. Sometimes a local program would stay local because no one else would hear about it. The instigators were able to move from station to station. The pogroms of 1881, it has been proven, it's documented, about how it spread along rail lines. And later on, the pogroms at the beginning of the 20th century were enabled by its spread along the railroad lines. And the towns along the railroad lines became victims of the pogrom, and it grows exponentially that way. That's one aspect of anti-Semitism and how it's able to spread further because of the railroad but also the prominent role that Jews play in railroad development, both in Western Europe, like I mentioned, in France, particularly in France, but also in Russia. Uh, And uh, and that that becomes a a target of anti-Semitism, how they're ruling over the industry and making money off the industry, and uh, tropes that unfortunately we're very familiar with throughout history. But another overlooked aspect of, of how the railroad impacted Jewish life is how it enabled the Great Emigration to take place. Most analysis of the Great Immigration focuses on the immigrants' arrival in the new country and their acclimation into their new surroundings. In other words, what we would call the pull aspect, what drew people to immigrate to a particular country and how they settled down there. Some historical analysis focuses on the motives for leaving, or what we would call the push aspect for them to leave to go out because of economic challenges, because of pogroms, and so on. Uh, Almost never mentioned, however, is the developments which enabled the great immigration to take place. In other words, the enabling aspect. And there are quite a few of these, but transportation was definitely one of them. Uh, So the railroad and the steamboat, uh, the the transatlantic uh, transportation, played a crucial role in the story of the great immigration. Most importantly, uh, they enable enables immigration. The, the the prices go down. The cost of of, of immigrating co- goes down. The distance uh, of of being able to immigrate uh, goes. You know, all of a sudden, the distance isn't so far anymore. It seems feasible. It seems like something that mo- it becomes possible for most Jews living in the Pale to be able to do. Um, international travel all of a sudden becomes a reality, even for your average. Um, An average Jew, average person, and uh, you know, train tickets for instance, trains to the border, to the Russian border, ranged from a ruble and a half for towns which were not far from the border, uh, or 13 rubles for the more distant ones. So, at most, it would be 13 rubles, which is not a very significant amount, even for someone who is quite poor. And this incredible drop in price and, of course, on the time actually spent traveling, suddenly made immigration a uh, realistic option for large swaths of the population. And if it had been an unachievable dream until then, it was now uh, now seemed possible. So the first intrepid migrants, they trailblazed the path for the increasing stream, which was to follow, and this uh, enabled the, the great immigration to happen. So in all these aspects... The, the railroad has a transformative effect on Jewish society in Russia, and it would never be the same uh, once the railroad became the common means of transpo- mode of transportation. So here we have, a, in summary, a, a technological advancement that has nothing to do with any particular political ideology. It has nothing to do directly with any specific religious ideology. And yet, the railroad plays its own modest role in modernization in presenting as both a challenge and opportunity uh, to Jewish society in Russia, which has to be uh, dealt with as the 19th century and early 20th century uh, progresses. So this was Yehuda Geber with Jewish History Soundbites. You can reach me at Yehuda at YehudaGeber.com for questions, comments, sources, tours, trips, sponsorships, and lectures. You can subscribe to Jewish History Soundbites on on Podbean or your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on Twitter at J. Soundbites, and I hope you enjoyed.